0: Happy Mother's Day. My name is Dave. I am one of the pastors here at Crosspoint Church. It's great to have all of you here with us. If you are a guest with us this morning, would like to ex- extend a special welcome to you. Um, I'd like to say hi, mom, to my mom because I know that she watches every week um, on YouTube. We stream our services live on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel now, and um, so I uh, just wanted to. She lives in Omaha, Nebraska. That's why she's not here. <laughs> So, um, thank you all for being here. Um, We've been in a series called Gospel House since uh, after the week after Easter, and we've been talking every single week about households of faith and what makes a spiritually vibrant household. It, It doesn't matter if you have kids, if you have a family, if you live with roommates, if you live by yourself. You are part of a household, and. And so we're talking about how to, how to be a spiritually vibrant household. And the first week we talked about leaving the house. And we said that if you want to follow Jesus, you have to leave the house. You, you can't just adopt your family's faith and go to get to the finish line. That faith has to become yours. For many people, their faith has cost them something. It's cost them family relationships because their family has never decided to follow Jesus. And so that's a really big deal. And so and, and for Jesus' disciples, that's exactly what it meant. It meant leaving behind their families, even their inheritance at times, to follow Jesus. And so we all have to do that. We have to put Jesus first, families not first. That's, a, that's what we talked about the first week. Last week we talked about um, how to open your house to strangers and how important that is to develop a spiritually vibrant household that we need to be opening our homes to people who are not like us who have nothing to give us in return and to to bless them and to show them the love of Christ and how important that is. Today we're going to talk about something a little different and I know that it's Mother's Day but I want to start today by talking about my dad for a minute. My dad was named after his dad so he's a junior. His name is Leslie Edward Bloom Jr. His nickname is Les. His dad's nickname was Bud. I don't know where that came from. I'm just glad that I wasn't named after my dad. <laughs> uh, I can remember growing up and my dad would have his friends over or be with family members and they would start chanting, more of less, more of less. And I would start chanting more of less if they wanted to get him to do something or something like that. I'm so glad they named me Dave. Um, but my, what I'm thankful for is that my dad was almost nothing like his dad. And I'm very thankful for that. He's very different than his dad. And I'm very different from my dad. Our personalities are different. Our talents are different. Um, we just have very different lives. And, and I, I'm thankful for that. Um, and at the same time, my dad has passed on a lot of things to me. But it wasn't the things that he meant to. You know what I mean? So of all the things that my dad... Tried passing on to me, the few things that I've actually caught from him are his habits. Not his theology, not his skills, not his words, not his politics, not his perspective on life, but his habits. So th- the way he reacted when things didn't go his way, the way he would sometimes lose his cool, I have that. The way he greeted my mom when he came home from work every day. The way he played and wrestled with us when we were kids. The way he tucked us in at night and showered us with affection. The way that he did special things with me every year, taking me places and spending time with me. The way he putzed and tinkered around in the garage. The sins he struggled with for most of his life. Habitual sins. Those he passed on to me. Most of those things he didn't mean to pass on to me but those are the things that I got from my dad. I don't know if you can relate to that or not. My dad's habits have influenced me and stayed with me for better and for worse. And whether you realize it or not, your habits, those daily rhythms that you don't even pay much attention to, are shaping your entire household. Habits don't inspire people. You know, if you go to someone and say, How did you become successful? How did you make your dreams a reality? How can I get to the next level in my life? You know, someone you really respect and look up to. And they tell you, well, let me tell you about my habits. That's not going to get your juices flowing. You know, you want want them to tell you some secret, some formula, some model that you can can, uh, imitate, right? But the truth is, even though habits don't inspire us, habits shape our lives. They totally do. And and whether you realize it or not, your household habits shape your life and the lives of everyone in your household. Those things that you do all the time without even thinking about it are creating either a spiritually vibrant household or a spiritually dormant household. Justin Early is, is an author and he wrote... There are no changed lives outside of changed habits. And if we want to actually change, we need to take a sober look at where our habits are leading us because habits form who we are. So I probably don't need to tell you this, but ha- habits are, that's, a habit is like an activity that you do over and over again without really thinking about it. That's what habits are. For example, you wake up in the morning. And maybe the first thing you do is reach for your phone and you open up an app. Maybe you go on Instagram. You start scrolling through. But why? Why do you start your day that way? What are you looking for? Some of you are looking for photos that grab your attention, a glimpse of the good life to maybe distract you from the life you have. You, you roll up to a stoplight. What do you do? You check your, me- your text messages and emails. Maybe you get to work and the first thing you do is you log on to ESPN.com or the headlines of the day. And we do those things because we're looking for something. And I think what we're, what we're doing without even thinking about it is we're numbing ourselves with a world we're not really connected to. Because we, we want to distract ourselves from the ultimate reality, which is God. The ultimate reality is God. And rather than making a habit of seeking God and facing him with an open heart and open ears and open eyes every single morning as the first thing we do, we we do something instead that makes us feel a little less exposed. Because going to God first and just... (laughs) Making yourself open to him and vulnerable to him and opening your heart heart up to him exposes you. It can feel uncomfortable. It can feel like a burden. It can feel like, what is God going to say to me? How hard is it going to be? Will I be able to do it? Will I like what he says? What's going to happen next? But if that's not your habit, if, if seeking God every day isn't a habit, then something else is. Something else is shaping you and your household. If it's not, if it's not seeking God, what is it? What are you looking for that God can't give you? That's what I want to ask. So today I want to simply, I just want to identify two habits and, and we, that we need to pay attention to And the first one emerges from an ancient narrative in the book of Genesis that we're going to read here. In Genesis chapter 25, this is the account of Abraham's family. And we're going to pick up in this second generation now with his son Isaac. I don't know if you remember anything about Isaac, but God had asked Abraham. Abraham and his wife Sarah had Isaac when they were nearly 100 years old. He, he got, Isaac was the promised seed that God had promised Abraham. And he said, through, the, through this child, I'm going to bless the whole earth. And they waited and waited and waited and finally had Isaac around 100 years old. And then God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. And of course, in the end, God came through and provided uh, his own sacrifice. And here we read about Isaac a little bit later in life as he starts his own family. I'd like you to, to read along with me here, beginning in verse 19. This is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, and the Aramian from Padanaram, Aram, and the sister of Laban the Aramian. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she asked. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. And we're going we're to pause there for a minute. And the first habit that we're going to identify this morning is the habit of praying together. We're going to talk about prayer and how important prayer is to a spiritually vibrant household. And, and what you need to know is that spiritually vibrant households bring their problems to God. Spiritually vibrant households bring their problems to God. We just read here that Rebecca was barren; she had no children when they first got married, and this was a huge deal. It's a huge deal to to moms today. It was probably even a bigger deal to to ancient women because having a family was the way that you built an identity and a future. Today, there's other ways that women can make a name for themselves, but in ancient times, the only way you could make a name for yourselves was by having children. That was your only option. To having a successful life, and if you didn't have children, the rest of the world looked at you as if you were cursed by God, and you were kind of just looked at differently and kind of an outcast. And so for her and for Isaac, this was this was a game changer. This was a life changer. It was devastating. So what does Isaac do? He prays. We're told that Isaac pleaded with the Lord, and God hears his prayers and answers. But did anyone notice when God answered his prayer? How, how old were Isaac and Rebecca when they got married? Isaac was, what, 40? And what, how old was he when, when they had the child? 60. 20 years. Isaac prayed and pleaded with the Lord for 20 years before God answered his prayer. And Rebecca has these twins. And so a gospel house... Depends on God. Everything good that happened in Isaac's family happened through prayer. As you read through this narrative, this story, the twins, the struggles, all of these things, continually they go back to God and they pray and God answers. When Rebecca noticed that something wasn't right during the pregnancy, what does she do? She goes to the Lord. She asks God about it. That's the first thing she did, not the last thing. It was the first thing she did. She didn't try all these other things first and finally resort to prayer as if it were some final desperate measure. Prayer wasn't a desperate measure. It was a habit. It was a household habit. That was the difference for them. When your family is met with a crisis or a disappointment or or a difficulty or a hardship, what do you do? How, how do you handle that? Is your initial response to pray, is praying together with others in your household a habit? Are you showing your kids that you depend on God when you have a problem or when you have reason to celebrate? Do your kids look at your life and, and your habits and the way that you spend your time? And do they notice that you depend on God for everything? When you have a need or a want in your family or in your household, is the first thing you do to go to God and ask him, to meet that need in a way that you never could? Or do you just buy it? You know what I mean? We have a need, we just, we'll just buy it. We'll just take care of this because we can. What would happen if you didn't buy it? What would happen if you went to God first and asked him to provide that need for you? Would God answer? Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. So what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that prayer is not something we try a few times and then if it doesn't yield visible results in a time that we want to, then we just take matters into our own hands. No, prayer must become a habit, something you do often and continue steadfastly. Without wavering, without giving up, over and over and over again, even if it takes days or weeks or months or years. We keep praying, we keep watching, we don't give up. And we don't give up because we know who God is. We know that he answers. We know that he hears us. We know that he's faithful. And that he'll give us what we need at just the right time at just the right time. Some of my favorite memories in life are of family prayer times that I have experienced with my family. This started with my my grandpa on my mom's side, who I talked about last week. His legacy to his family was prayer and dependence on God. And after he died, my uncle found his prayer journals. These were like um, spiral notebooks that were I don't remember how many there were. There were a lot. And he, they were handwritten, years and years and years and years, decades actually, of prayer requests that he would write out. He was in a small group at his church for many, many years, and he would write out those prayer requests for his family, his friends, members of his small group, and he would pray for them diligently. And when those prayers were answered, he would he would make a note, he would make a note in capital letters that God answered. And he answered on this date And we're praising God for his provisions. And when you looked, I've had the privilege of looking at those prayer journals, and he was really meticulous and organized, unlike me. But it was amazing because what I got out of that was that this was a habit. This was something that made him tick. It was part of his daily routine, his life. It was something he was devoted to. It was something he did over a long period of time without giving up. And it yielded results. In fact, 20 years after my grandpa's death, God is still answering his prayers. And my, my, my mom remembers walking in on him when he was praying. All of his five kids remember, they tell stories about walking in on their grandpa praying. And that's what they remember about him, him on his knees, in his, in his study, praying to God. And they, would, they knew, we don't interrupt dad when he's praying. And, and that's the legacy that he left to his children. And I don't say that to brag about my grandpa. I'm saying that to brag about God. Look at what God can do through a humble man who simply depends on him and just brings his, brings his problems and everyone's problems to God and says, God, help us. Because that's what prayer is. It's, it's, it's talking to God. It's depending on God. It's waiting on God. It's watching for God. It's expecting God to move and to do things that we can't do. And this man's life was built on that. He took everything to God in prayer. I remember the first family reunion that we had after my grandpa died, and, and Vicky was there. It was 2002, the year we got married. And it was, her, it was a big deal for Vicky because she was with my whole extended family. There was probably 60 of us. And she was the newest uh, member of the family. She had just met a bunch of these people for the first time. And we were staying together for a week at this, you know, out of state somewhere. So it was a big deal for her to go on that. I mean, she didn't have a choice. She had to come with me. Um, and, but it was great. And, and one of the things I'll remember about that trip, and I'm sure that she, she will remember this too, is it was our first family reunion ever without my grandpa. He had died in 1999, and we took the opportunity one night to get together as adults and, and just pray together and share our struggles, our, our, our sorrows, our joys, our anxieties, and we prayed into the night. And that was like Vicky's initiation into my family. It was, was that prayer time. That's how she got to know them, through prayer. And, and I'll never I'll never forget that. I remember looking for an apartment with Vicki when we were first married and praying together in the car before we would even go in to look at a place. And we did the same thing when we bought our first house. I remember being with the Spielman family with all 12 of the adults during a crisis with one of the children some years ago. And, and praying and crying out to God together for his healing and his wisdom and his comfort. And, and those, those weren't isolated times. Those, those things, we've, we've done that when, we need, when there's a need, when there's a burden, when there's a struggle. That's something that we need to do. It's a way for us to acknowledge, God, you are God and we are not. And we need you. Will you help us? We are desperate for you. And, and it just changes your, the, it changes the attitude in your entire household. It changes your household. Your kids will remember that when you do that. When my kids have a big test or a big game or a tough decision or they've failed at something or they're stressed about something, we will pray with them. We'll pray with them the night before the big, the big test or we'll pray with them before they get out of the car to go to school. My kids have caught me praying early in the morning at times and they know now after this has happened a few times, they don't interrupt me because I'm talking to God. And they can wait. Because Christ comes first. And I admit they haven't caught me enough. They, they have not caught me enough. But if you are trusting in Jesus, it, your household will be a household that prays together. And, and I, some of you might be thinking, Dave, your family, that's great. That, you're, you came from a Christian family. But my family's not like that. My family passed on some different habits to me. And, and I want to just tell you, you choose your habits. I know that you, you've inherited some of those, just like I have from my dad, for good, or, for good or bad, right? But you get to choose your habits. Habits are always a choice. You always have a choice. And you can choose to start a habit today. Your past does not define you anymore. In Christ, you are a new creation. You are a new creature. And you are being renewed every single day. And God will remind you of that every single time you spend time with him. His mercies are new every morning and he is faithful. And you can start any of these habits today. And, and I want you to know that. Uh, I want to look at another habit. This is the last habit we'll look at today from Deuteronomy chapter eleven, eighteen 18 to 21. This is what we read from that passage. As God is reinstilling his, his word in the hearts of his people. He says, So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, when you are getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. So the habit we're going to talk about next is um, hearing God and talking about Him. Hearing God's Word and talking about Him. This is something we should be doing all the time with other people in our household. Spiritually vibrant households talk about God and His Word often. It's just a regular part of our daily routine according to God's Word. Or at least it should be. So... uh, and in, in the way that, that Jesus talked about God's word, and the way that God talked about His word, it's like you should read God's word as often as you eat. It, it should be you should depend on God like you depend on food, which probably not most of us are doing. <laughs> but that's how we should approach it. Read it throughout your day. Put God's words before you all the time. Talk about it when you're at home. When you're getting ready for bed. When you get up in the morning. Remind your kids about God's promises and God's words often. Anytime you get the opportunity. Your kids have a question. Your kids have a doubt. Your kids have a struggle. Your husband is stressed out about work. I, I have a friend who's always talking about God and his word. Always. All the time. I, I can't. He, he just, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. If we're talking about work or family or, or marriage or temptation, or success, or failure, or plans for the future, he always finds a way to bring God and his word into the conversation. Always. He has this amazing ability to remember a specific passage of scripture that speaks to the very thing we're talking about. Why does he do that? How does he do that? Because he's always reading and thinking about God's word. It just comes out. It's like he can't help it because it's always on his mind. his life is saturated with God's word. And I love that about him. Sometimes it's a little annoying, but most of the time I love it. And Jesus, by the way, was the same. Everywhere Jesus went, everything he did, he talked about God's word. He was quoting scripture. When he was eating, when he was drinking, when he was healing, when he was helping people, when he was Casting out demons, when he was answering questions, when he was teaching, when he was traveling across a lake in a boat, when he was on the road to another meal or another party, when he was dying on the cross, Jesus was quoting scripture. One pastor I love said, if you were to cut Jesus, he would bleed scripture. It's all he thought about. It's all he talked about was God's word. This is what we're supposed to be like. My friend who I was just telling you about, He's not a professional Christian. Nobody is. Nobody's a professional Christian. He's an ordinary guy. He's a carpenter, but he loves God and his word. We are all supposed to be saturated with the word of God. That should be like the normal Christian experience. Is thinking about God's word, reading God's word, talking about God's word all the time. And it will it will set your life on fire for God. That's what it will do. It will change your life if you make this a habit. That's the point. Listen to Second Timothy. This is such a great passage. Through chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Paul is passing on like these final instructions to his protege, Timothy. He says, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. He's talking about Timothy's mother and grandmother in particular. He said, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, the Scriptures, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Listen to everything. We're, not, we, we're just going to scratch the surface here, but this is a great passage to show us the value of being in God's word. In this passage, we have a very clear description of how the Bible comes through the parents to a child from God for salvation. That was the ultimate goal, that Timothy would be saved from his sin. That's, that's the ultimate goal of Scripture in a child's life. And the, for more than that, for the rest of his life, he will be equipped and prepared to live life well through the Bible being, tr- being passed on to him from his own parents and grandparents. So this man, Timothy, was trained by God through his parents how to read the Bible, and the result is a complete and full life. And he is prepared for every good work. He is equipped to see and interpret life Through God's eyes and handle life with grace and resilience and the power of God. I mean, parents, do you want your kids to be equipped that way? Do you want your kids to be prepared for everything that comes their way in life? For those disappointments, for the pain, for the struggles, for the victory, for the successes, that they will be humble and gracious, that they will praise God when things go well, that they will depend on God when things don't go well. How's that going to happen? It's through the word of God being talked about in your home. Often. It's through talking about God, through going to God together. That's how it happens. That's how it happened for Timothy. It's how it happens for everyone. And and some parents, you're thinking to yourself, I I want that for myself. I need to be equipped myself. I need to be prepared. I mean, some of you have not made God's word a priority in your life. And I get it. I know how it, it, it takes discipline you, you come here on Sundays, you hear someone teach from the Bible. That's great. But that is not enough, my friends. It is not enough. <laughs> we are here to equip you to read this living word on your own. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to whet your appetite so that you can feed yourself. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not doing what I'm called to do. I do not want you to come here and depend on me to feed you Everything you need for this week. I can't do that. I can't. If this never becomes a habit for you, then you are missing the most important thing. You, you need this as your daily bread. And if you're not sure where to start as far as yourself or training your kids in your outline, your handout this morning, I've, I've got some practical tips in there. If you want to start getting your kids to read the Bible on their own or reading it with them. Maybe you just start by reading it with them and talking about it together. And, and I think that might be helpful, but, um, you know, sometimes I just tell people, start with the Gospel of John. Start with the Gospel of Mark. Get to know Jesus. Just get to know Jesus. That's a great place to start. Read a little bit every day. Pray to God. Ask Him for understanding because this, His Word is living the Holy Spirit takes his word and it comes alive in us. It gives, you a, a, it gives you the ability to see what's in your own heart. You can't do that on your own. You need God's help to see that, to be more like Jesus. I, I, I want to close with a story today just, just to help you understand how, how important God's word is to life. And It's a story about my mom and dad. Um, my mom and dad met in the late 60s. My dad had just finished serving four years in the Navy. My mom had just graduated high school. My dad is about seven years older than my mom. And that summer, they started dating and kind of falling for each other. The problem was my dad was going to start school um, at Moody Bible Institute down in Chicago. My mom was already enrolled at um, another college in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. And so they, over the next three years had this long-distance relationship, right? And back then, in the 60s, how did you stay connected in a long-distance relationship? Through letters. Through letters. And through this awesome new thing called the cassette tape. If you don't know what a cassette tape is, that's a cassette tape. So they would record themselves talking on this device, which is a cassette tape recorder, (laughs) which some of you have never seen before and never knew existed and then they would, go back to the slide before, they would write on those lines above the dates and the, you know, all. The, I, I've seen the tapes, I've heard the tapes. They've saved them all these years. And they would send these tapes to each other and hear each other talk. And then they would write letters and all this kind of stuff over three years as they were away at school. And... Um, my mom even would, re, would write songs. She played the ukulele. She would write songs to my, love songs to my dad and play them on these tapes. She would write poems. My mom was born to write. She's an amazing writer. And my dad, this is why this matters, because my dad got to know my mom through that. That's how he got to know her heart. It was through the letters. It was through the poems. It was through the songs. It was through the words. And he would get a letter and he would read through it straight through and his heart would just, you know, some of you guys know what I'm talking about, you know, his heart would just come alive, right? And then he would go back through and he'd read it more slowly and he would look at every, he'd weigh every word and he would, he got to know my mom through those letters and through those tapes. It revealed her heart, it revealed her character, it revealed her love for him. And when he was struggling at school, when he was lonely, when he was discouraged, when he felt empty... All he had to do was go back and, and get, pick out those letters, and go through and read it, and listen to those tapes and those songs and those poems, and remember my mom's heart for him, and remember her promises to him, that and remember that he was going to see her again, and they would be together again, and that she was for him, and that nothing was going to change that. And it got my dad through college, and it got my mom through college, even though there was distance. Even though there was that distance, he knew this is only temporary. And those letters are what reminded him of that. And and I want to tell you this morning, God's word is like that. That's what God's word is to us. God's word is full of letters and songs and poems and words of encouragement, historical events and details, prophecies, all of these details about our future the future that awaits us, the future that Jesus is preparing for us right now for those who love him. And every time we get discouraged or we feel empty or lonely, all we have to do is go back to God's letters and go back to God's word to us and remember what we're made for and remember that future that he's promised us. Remember that our past has been crucified with Christ and that we are new in him and that nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. What he did on the cross was once for all. Nobody can undo what he did. And once you put your faith in Christ, you are his child. You are his beloved child. And God will never let you go. And every time I read this word, I am reminded of that. I'm reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that I don't need to fear. And I don't need to worry. And I don't need to be anxious. And I don't need to lose my cool. I can pray, I can watch, I can wait. I can remember. This word will never, Jesus said, not a single letter of this word will ever fade. It's forever. It's forever. So, what I want to ask you is if prayer and the word of God are not a habit in your life, shaping your life, what habits are shaping your life? What habits are shaping your household? Some of us have grown bored with God. We've grown indifferent to his love. Our heart is dull and hard and I don't know why. The cares of this world creep in. We get busy. We get distracted by all the things we can see and feel. And even though we can't see God yet, he is more real than anything we can see. He is more real and more alive than anything else we can see in this world. And his word is what makes his presence come alive in us. We 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 can try to live without it, but we need it every single day. And the best way that I know for you to get back to a place where you want to hear from God is to read your Bible. I mean, reading, John Piper once said that God's word is like kindling. God's word is like the kindling of your life. If you want to start a fire in your heart and your life towards God, the best way to do that is to go into his word and start reading it and open yourself up to God. And ask him to speak to you. Now, I want to say one more thing before we close today. I'm not here to make... Some of you... Mother's Day is hard for a lot of people. Because some of you have kids who are older. Maybe they're younger. And you're like, I am... if, If you were to judge me based on my children, I would fail the test. They haven't turned out like I wanted them to. I haven't always been consistent I, I, maybe I've missed Maybe you feel like you've missed that opportunity to pass on your faith to your kid. It's too late. They're on their own now and they're making poor choices. Whatever it is, I'm not here to make you feel guilty today. I, I am not here to do that. Please understand that. that is, the enemy is really good at that. He's really good at accusing us and pointing the finger at you and pointing the finger at your children and saying, look what you did. You failed here. God is not happy with you. You've ruined your kid. There's no hope for the future. That is not from God. I want you to know that. It's not from me. It's not from God. Because with God, there is always hope. With God, there is always grace. There is always time. There is always forgiveness with Him. He is is long-suffering. He is patient. He is merciful. Far beyond you could measure. And if you... Pastor Scott reminded me this last week we were talking about the Bible and all these families in the Bible. Abraham's family, Isaac's family, Jacob's family, Joseph's family... Every single family, there's prodigals. Every single one. With, without exception. And if you feel like you have a prodigal, you are not alone. And you have not failed. You have not failed. There is still hope. There is still hope for you because of God. And God can do things that you could never even imagine. He can do far beyond what you could possibly ask or imagine. So I want to just encourage you this morning not to give up. Don't give up hope. Please don't be discouraged. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue bringing your hurts and your pains and your struggles and your your longings to God. And if you haven't made these things a habit, that's okay. Because grace comes first. The habit doesn't come first, guys. Grace always comes first. Just remembering that God accepts me not because of my habits. He accepts me because of grace. He accepts me because of Christ and what Christ has accomplished on the cross in my place. And when you can be thankful for that and remember that, then the habit comes. And and that's the way it should be. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word today. We thank you that you hear us when we pray and that you answer. And I, I pray, Father, for those specifically this morning for any parents this morning who are really struggling in their hearts and feeling regret about the past, I pray, Father, that you would remind them about your grace, that you would remind them about your faithfulness, that you would remind them that you are with them, that you are for them, God, and that you are ready, that, that you are ready to save, and that they would, they would renew their trust in you and their faith in you this morning and be encouraged and have hope for the future. Father, we want to be a church that's spiritually vibrant, so make us a church that depends on your word and that depends on prayer. And and teach us, God, to to pray and to watch and to wait for you in all things. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Before I uh, close and and dismiss you, I wanted to just remind you that next week we're going to conclude this series called Gospel House and we're going to have a special guest speaker from Lake Point Church in Muskego. He's a good friend of mine. His name's Brian Hoffmeister and he's going to to share a, a very special message with you. So I want to invite you back uh, next week if you're a guest with us or a regular attender. It's going to be a really awesome service. And uh, so don't forget about that. We're going to meet back here at 10 o'clock next week. And at this time, um, I want to share a, a special... I'm going to give you two benedictions today. You get two for one. Um, and one is was shared with me by someone in this church this last week. It was something they found that really encouraged them. And I kind of made it my own, and I just wanted to share it with you, but um, I'm not the original author of this, but I thought it was really, really appropriate for this morning. So if I could actually just have all the women, all the adult women, just stand up where you are. you get you're your own benediction this morning just for you. And this is, you don't have to be a mom, okay, to be part of this. If, you're, if you consider yourself an adult woman, <laughs> this is for you. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experienced loss through miscarriage, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, full of tests and tears and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers, we grieve with you. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your old children, your own children, we wait with you. To those who step parent, we walk with you on this uneven road. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expecting and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we are with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst, so we remember you today. And now I'd like to have everyone else stand along with the women as I give you the benediction this morning from Romans chapter 11. Please bow your heads with me. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge! How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways! For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? and who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to God forever. Amen. Have a great afternoon.